Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, we're going to be chatting about what's going on with hotels in this market, which areas are thriving and which areas are not, what are the benefits of investing and operating hotels, and also what are some of the major things to look for before investing in a hotel. We're chatting with Julie Surago. She is the vice president at Olive Tree Holdings. Here we go. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. You are a friend of mine whom I met at my favorite self-help course, Landmark, and uh, I've seen your own transformation there. It's uh, such a such a pleasure to have you here. I always actually wanted to invite you. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Thank you, Stephanie. So I started in the hotel industry about seven years ago after I graduated from Cornell's hotel school. I worked um, in consulting and brokerage for a number of years. Now I work in private equity. My firm invests in multifamily, but also has a in-house brokerage firm. So I still get to do some hotel work with them. So let's jump into what is going on with hotels today. I'm aware that once there's a hit in the economy, hotels are the first ones to feel it. You can take it by region or by the hotels you guys are managing, however you would like. Yeah. So overall, it's it's very interesting, actually. Through COVID, like you would expect that hotels got hit the uh, most because of the stoppage in tr most travel, both business, leisure, international, group. And yet hotels were able to kind of weather the storm based because of the PPP loans that were given out by the government. And each hotel employs a fairly large number of people, anywhere from like a Best Western that has about 20 employees up to like Thousand Room Marriott that might have 200 employees. Um, so they took advantage of that. So there wasn't a lot of distress in the market that we really expected to see. In fact, my firm was going to try to find some opportunities in the ho in the hospitality, real estate investment uh, market, but it never really transpired. And now what we're seeing is even though, yes, hotels like every other asset class are, you know, subject to interest rising interest rates because a lot of the loans are floating rate debt. Yet what we're seeing is that even though inflation is going up, Travel isn't really slowing. Yes, business travel remains a little bit subdued, as does group travel. And certain markets more than others, like San Francisco, happens to be a particularly challenged market. It has not recovered to where it was pre-COVID. But then you look at leisure markets, and they're doing better than they were before. I recently was looking at a hotel uh, raising equity for a company in the hotels in Orlando, and it is doing better than it was doing in 2019. And yeah, the pricing actually has come in a little bit because of the where the interest rates are. You can't really get new loans at cheap prices. So I think there is a lot more opportunity for investment right now. And though hotels typically suffer more in like a down market, because of that pent up travel, especially in leisure markets, we're not really seeing that. So leisure markets are doing well. 
However, large cities like, let's say, Los Angeles, San Francisco, I don't know about New York. New York uh, also, yeah. New York also. Okay. Challenge. I mean, the, the domestic travel has picked up in New York. However, business travel is still probably, I would say, at least 60% of where it used to be. And group travel is starting to pick up again. But we still, these markets that have high international inbound travelers, especially from, say, China, Japan, mm. um, they're still suffering. So San Francisco, New York, it's it's a more of a struggle. Whereas Miami, the South American markets, travel has picked up a lot more. Yeah, everyone is moving to Miami the number one city that people are moving to. So let's jump into maybe what are some of the benefits of investing and operating a hotel? Because I don't see any myself just because it's so hands-on and you have people moving in and out on a daily basis. However, the, the returns maybe are better. I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah, it is certainly a challenge, especially now the biggest challenge with hotels is staffing. Every industry is having trouble with staffing, especially the hospitality industry, hotels, restaurants. Uh, there's a lot of turnover. And also there's not as many international H-1B-1 visas. It's, it can be a, a real challenge. However, the biggest benefit of a hotel versus any other type of real estate class in times of inflation, when uh, the value of the dollar is going up so significantly, hotels can react quickly. Um, you can, they set their rates every single day. So it, you'll notice, not just when you look at hotels, but airlines, that the prices are going up pretty significantly along with everything else. Whereas if you have a multifamily lease or an office lease or retail, industrial, some of those, either they get reset once a year or they get reset every five years. So it's a lot harder to react to inflation. Absolutely. Retail, office, and industrial are all in that same bucket with long-term leases, then multifamily with the yearly leases, and then self-storage with the monthly leases, and then hotels and uh, hospitals apparently are also a business by the hour. So it's fascinating how that goes. So I'm very curious about staffing issues because everybody, including myself, are having this kind of problem. And I'm not sure if it's just a matter of paying more. How do you go about finding great people and keeping them nowadays? It's an excellent question. And I deal with that every day. So as I mentioned, my expertise is in hotels. I still do some hotel work with our in-house brokerage firm. However, I'm also, my company owns uh, almost 30 multifamily complexes across the U.S., and we actually have our own in-house management company. I work uh, very closely with them, and that's not a challenge that we meet every day. Like Each one of our properties has anywhere between, between uh, maybe around 10 at the small end to up to 50 at our biggest complex, and it is extremely challenging. We've, we've had a lot of turnover in the last year. Things are calming down. We hired a new president of our management company. And I think the biggest way, not just pay, although pay is important, it is important to be competitive in a market. However, the biggest thing that keeps people is culture. And, mm -hmm. and that that can be a challenge too, because you have different properties, they're spread out. Like, how do you have a common culture that permeates sure, throughout? Yeah. Yep. But what it starts from the top. And, and actually, we're having a retreat later this week with our regional managers. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build something that's long lasting where people like where they work, they feel comfortable, they're 
paid equitably and they want to stay with us for their career. And that's another thing is important is, is providing the ability for upward mobility. If you were to purchase a hotel today, what are some of the major things you would be looking for? I think what is important is A, I personally look for upside. I think that that's key. If you're looking at a hotel, maybe it has a brand that is strong, but there's an opportunity if you invest money strategically to make it something upmarket to take advantage of. I think now there's a, a, what a, what has been attractive for hotel investors right currently in this market is the ability to um, assume a loan at a, a fixed interest rate. There's a lot of hotels, particularly mid-scale hotels, limited service that are on long-term CMBS loans. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they have a fixed interest rate at like four and a half percent. That's extremely attractive right now. So if you have the opportunity to purchase that loan, you're not going to be able to find debt that cheap right now. Another thing that has been attractive for people, and and actually also for sellers, is some sellers, the big firms that have um, the ability to do so, are offering seller financing at terms lower than what you can find in the market. And frankly, some, some of what I've seen, you know, in my years in the industry, my expertise is mainly in New York, the Northeast, and Northern California, just based on where I worked. But I'm seeing hotels that were not attractive buys five years ago, but sellers are able to sell them now because they can offer that financing at cheaper terms, which really improves the upside, at least in comparison on what you can find. What kind of a hotel size would you look for? Personally, if I were to start my own investment firm today, I'm actually really into uh, limited service hotels. You know, the, the resorts and full service are very attractive and fun to own, but limited service usually is easier to operate, fewer employees, you know, a lot cheaper to buy. But yeah, honestly, another thing that has always been attractive to me is to buy like nicer economy hotels. I think those weather the storm really well as far as any kind of economic disruption, whether that be like newer build La Quintas or Wyndham Microtels, I think those hotels are a good long-term investment. Another thing that has been extremely sexy lately, which I think is phenomenal, are these glamping sites. So there's been a few companies that will buy like old campgrounds or RV parks and turn it into something cool that gather like three, five, seven hundred dollar rates depending the season. I think that is extremely interesting area right now. You mentioned uh, limited services. What does that mean in the hotel industry? Full service is your traditional like Marriott or Hilton that has a restaurant and a bar and, you know, all the amenities that you would want. Then you have something called select service. An example of that is like a Hilton Garden Inn or a courtyard. So there is a restaurant, but it's it's only open maybe for breakfast and happy mm. hour and has a very light menu, not a full kitchen, you know, kind of like one of those convection oven type things. Um, but it still has like the gym and a few amenities. And then you have limited service, which you could think of as your like Hampton Inn, a Fairfield Inn, those type of things where it's just kind of beds. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a front desk, maybe there's a little market, you could buy something. Those are typically very good. A couple of um, interesting brands, too, that have a lot of longevity and potential upside for upbranding. If you look at like Best Western brand, um, they do really well among their subset. But there's also opportunity usually to potentially upbrand with the right 
capital expense. Um, if I were personally to just get in the hotel industry myself, I would maybe do something like, oh, if we don't have to clean your room, you get a $30 discount every night. Is this something that anyone is doing right now to try to decrease those kind of expenses? Uh, I've stayed at several hotels over the last two years since COVID in all different types, whether it's personal travel, business travel. I think most hotels now, with the exception of resorts or luxury, they're foregoing housekeeping altogether. Like they, are. they, they got a, <laughs> they got away with it during COVID. And I don't yeah. think it's the thing that's going to come back. Which me personally, as a traveler, I'm fine with. I I would always. I don't really want people in my room unless it's a resort, you know, then I take advantage. But I think that's here to stay now. And it's smart. I mean, that's a huge expense housekeeping is. And with the staffing as well, like you don't need to employ as many people. That's typically an area where it's been hard to stay fully staffed. And when you're not fully staffed, you spend a lot of money on temporary help, which is extremely expensive. Mm. And you don't get as much for your money either. Interesting. I, I have been coming back to hotels because Airbnb has been just insanity with their fees and everything else. And one of the reasons is that they actually clean my room. However, I've stayed at really nice hotels recently that they did not come to do anything. I did not like that personally. <laughs> and it's like a hybrid. I'm sure I would have a lot of fun working for a management company or investment company trying to determine because I think eventually you will see it come back in certain places because some travelers want that. There's a give and take on what you offer. And that's, to me, the fun part of hotels in general, multifamily as well, like when you're managing them, is kind of pulling those levers and like, how do you provide the type of service that attracts the best rate, also the best clientele, you know, that's a factor as well, but also making the most money. So it, there are certain hotels you'll go to and it'll be like, we clean your room every third day, but if you want extra service, call us. There's going to be that, but I think a lot of consumers are just going to be used to it. That'll be a big money saver for them. Can you tell me about the worst period in your career for hotels and what was the situation? It can be a terrible day or it can be just a period of time. For me, I started in 2015. 2015 is probably the best year the hotel industry had between 2008, the Great Recession, and COVID 2020. It was an extremely strong year. A lot of markets, especially um, New York City, it was the top of pricing um, as far as transactions go. But then things were still really, really good um, up until COVID hit. So the onset of COVID and just not knowing what was going to happen. And I had been working in hotel brokerage at the time. It was just a scary time. A lot of people started getting laid off. People took pay cuts and there really wasn't a lot of transactions happening because there were people on the sidelines, like my new company who thought they might invest in hotels who were looking for that price drop that kind of occurred in 2008, 2009, 2010, but it never occurred because during the Great Recession, they didn't have PPP loans to give. And then you had sellers who were still like holding on to the peak pricing that they may have had in 2019 or in the case of New York in 2015. And it was just hard to kind of adjust expectations. So for me, that was the hardest part, which is why I kind of, in 2021, a little bit switched gears. I Luckily, I still get to do hotels, but um, I'm more focused on multifamily. And that's kind of why there was a, like a pause and a hush that was extremely difficult. 
Julie, thank you so much for making the time for joining us today. I know you're doing super well and I'm very happy for you. Are you doing consulting right now? Are you open for partnerships? And how can our listeners get in touch with you? Ah, thanks, Stephanie. Uh, not actively, but I'm always open to chat and help out any way I can. Hotels are my passion and always happy to give some time. So if, if anything comes up, please shoot me an email, julie.sarago at gmail.com. And uh, as always, her email will be under show notes. Julie, thank you so much for making the time for joining us today and giving your incredible insights. Thank you, Stephanie. And if you are learning from this podcast, you can become a supporter. It's under the show notes at the bottom of the page under support this podcast. And you may pick whatever support you would like to provide. And I hope you guys have an incredible new year and may all your incredible goals come true. And I will see you next year.